Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. So, Mom, what story are you telling us about today? Today, I am going to tell you about the Shanghai Tunnels in Portland, Oregon. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And what, what drink do you have for us and what story do you have for us today? So, today I have the story of Maurizio Gucci. And the drink accompanying this will be the House of Gucci Martini, which is connected to the movie that came out recently about the whole case. Which oh, is actually part. Yes, which is a part of our October movie list. Is all of our stories are well, at least uh, one of our stories from each episode is based on a movie. So, it inspired a movie, right? Yeah, either based on or like inspired or Gotcha. This one was actually based on the the true event, so Okay. House of Gucci tells the story of a world-renowned fashion house while presenting a dazzling cocktail moment with an arguably world-renowned spirit brand, Tanqueray. In an enticing first meeting scene between the film's two main characters, viewers are given an up-close look at Maurizio Gucci, who's played by Adam Driver, crafting the perfect Tanqueray martini with a twist, which the glamorous Patrizia Rigani, Lady Gaga, has ordered to her liking. Her martini is shaken using Tanqueray London dry gin, served up in a vintage coupe martini glass, and garnished with a simple yet elegant lemon twist. Ooh, so here's, here's what goes into our martini today. We have one half ounce of Tanqueray London dry gin, uh, 0.75 ounces of dry vermouth, and garnish with a lemon twist. To make this cocktail, combine all ingredients in a shaker, fill with ice, seal it, shake hard until very cold, strained into a chilled martini glass. Let's give this thing a try. I'm okay, not a big fan of martinis. I don't expect Neither am to I. like this. Vermouth I don't is just either. gross. Gin is also right. typically gross. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's <laughs> it's okay, I guess. That's too strong for me. <laughs> oh. Nope, not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, me not really either. I, I had a feeling I wouldn't like this, fail. so. Yeah, what? I did too. That's another drink fail, in my opinion. But I don't <laughs> like martinis in general. And I I mean, you know, I'm not a huge gin drinker. You got to cover my alcohol up so that I can't taste it. And then I'm pretty happy about it. So. Yeah, this is just alcohol. Right. I'm a sissy when it comes to that stuff, so. 
I don't know. I, I had a feeling I wouldn't like this, so I prepared myself a tequila soda instead. Something else. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to drink nice. that whole thing. No. Okay, let's get into the case of Maurizio Gucci. Sounds good. So, Maurizio Gucci was born on September 26, 1948 in Florence, Italy, to famous actor Rodolfo Gucci, whose father was the founder of the luxury clothing brand Gucci. In 1972, Maurizio moved to New York to work for Gucci with his uncle Aldo Gucci, However, this would create ter turmoil, leading to Maurizio suing Aldo for majority in the company. In 1986, Maurizio fled to Switzerland when his uncle Aldo retaliated with legal action, claiming Maurizio forged his father's signature to avoid paying taxes. Oops. Maurizio was later found guilty on these charges, but was acquitted. In 1989, Maurizio was made chairman of the company to which he led Gucci straight into the red. He's not great chairman. No. Feeling overwhelmed, Maurizio sold his share of the company for $170 million. <gasps> which is a pretty big payday, if you ask me. Oh, I'd like that payday. Thank you. This payday kind of came with... Uh, some chains attached because this would end the Gucci's family involvement with the the entire company. So no one named Gucci runs Gucci anymore. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. That's wild. Yeah, he was the last one to sell it from the family. Oh, weird. In 1972, Maurizio married Patrizia Reggiani and they had two daughters, Allegra and Alessandra. When they got married, Maurizio's father, Rodolfo, did not approve of their marriage, calling Patrizia a social climber and a gold digger. Oh, shit. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, on March 21st, 1985, Maurizio went on a short business trip to Florence. And the following day, he sent a family friend to, to their house to tell Patrizia he would not be returning and that their marriage is over. Oh, Just crap. Our, Real nice why to break up with somebody, just go to a different country and then have someone else tell them. <laughs> no shit, right? Uh, from 1984 to 1990, Gucci dated Sherry McLaughlin Loud, who was a model from Connecticut. Gucci was nine years older than the model, but that didn't stop them from dating. Nine years the isn't too big. Yeah, and I, I feel like $170 million takes a couple years off your age. Probably. I think it would take a couple decades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two met in Porto Servo during the 12-meter class world championship for 1987, which is a, a sailboat race. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm guessing it's a 12-meter sailboat. So I, I honestly don't know about racing boats at all. I don't know anything about sailboats, period, so <laughs> we'll go with your Gucci, idea. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they're boats with giant tapestries on them. I mean, seem very, <laughs> very Victorian-esque. <laughs> right. Gucci pursued Loud and tracked her and her husband to Clearwater, Florida. And this is when they began calling her every day. So Mauricio was kind of a stalker, it sounds like. He, she was married yeah, at the she time? she was married. <laughs> yeah, oh. when they started dating. Holy crap. Wow. Not cool, man. Yeah. So uh, a year after they started dating uh, in 1998, Loud left her husband to start working for Gucci. And Gucci would buy her an apartment in New York and pay for her to fly to come visit him in Italy. However, these constant flights would weigh on her, and she decided to end the relationship. In 1990, Gucci began dating Paola Franchi, a childhood friend who had attended his wedding to Patrizia. A year after they started dating, Paola divorced her husband, Giorgio Colombo, and while Gucci was trying to live his best life, his ex-wife was plotting to take him down. So he's got a pattern of dating women who are already married. Yep. Wow. Well, that's an ego. And typically, a year later, they divorce their husband or some sort of move to him. Wow. Okay. On March 27th, 1995, Patrizia Reggiani's diary entry contained only one word. Paradisos. And this word means paradise in Greek. On that same day, Maurizio Gucci made his way to his office, greeting doorman Giuseppe Onorato, who was sweeping leaves. Giuseppe greeted Maurizio back and noticed a man behind him holding a gun. <gasps> Before anyone could react, the man raised the gun and fired four shots into Gucci's back, with one shot hitting him in the head. Shit. The killer turned to face Giuseppe and fired two shots before fleeing. The doorman was hit in the arm, but was not a fatal hit. That's good. Giuseppe ran to Maurizio to check on him, but there was nothing he could do. Maurizio Gucci died in his arms. The case went cold until 1997, where an anonymous tip led police to Ivano Saviano, who was connected by Patrizia's personal psychic to help hire a hitman. Okay, Pat sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not your typical psychic, I guess. No. Patri Patrizia hired Benedito Serralo and Orezio Cicala to kill Gucci. Patrizia paid the man $365,000 to murder Gucci and later commented it was worth every penny. Whoa. Patrizia would be sentenced to 29 years in prison for the murder of her ex-husband. She spent 18 of those years incarcerated before being let go on good behavior. After getting out of prison, a reporter asked her why she didn't kill her husband herself, to which she replied, my eyesight isn't so good. <laughs> That's hilarious. And that is the story of the murder of Maurizio Gucci.
oh the last my gosh. In the Gucci line to actually be an owner of Gucci. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty interesting she, way to die. It it amazes me how you can hire a hitman in some places for like five hundred dollars in a car, probably you know in the U.S. somewhere, and then she paid three hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. Well, I get. I bet it probably depends on the quality of the hitman and the. The target, because if you're just trying to get a hitman to go kill a homeless guy on the street, you could probably do it for a sandwich. But if you're gonna go kill the head of Gucci, you might need to come with some more, some more chips. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's not how I want to die, though. I don't want my ex to no. hire a hitman to track me down at my office. No, no, nobody wants that. And the fact that they've been, like, apart for so long. Right. He was, well, you know, he they... He was killed in... They, Sorry, yeah, when go. did they break up? When did they break up? So, in 1985, they broke up. And he was killed in 1995. So, 10 years. So 10 years later, she still held a grudge. I wonder why she held a grudge for so long. Some people thought it was like the reason he killed her or she killed him is for the money. But I don't think she would have gotten any of it because they were already divorced. They were a long time divorced. Maybe it was because he was cheating on her like when they got divorced. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. I don't know. Only she knows. Well, they always say revenge is, you know, dish best served cold or however that stating, you know, that statement goes. But I mean, 10 years, it's pretty freaking cold. Maybe she thought that people wouldn't suspect it was her because it was so long since they had broken up. And uh, kind of what it seems like, because they the the case was cold for two years before they uh, were able to arrest her. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So what bizarre story do you have for us today, Mom? I want to tell you about the Shanghai Tunnels in Portland, Oregon. Sweet. Weren't we going to uh, visit those and then we ended up having to cancel because some reason? I got sick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got sick. Was. Yep. I was super excited too because it was going to be a fun trip and we were going to go there with friends and walk around in the tunnels and have a little tour. tour. And yeah. yeah. And then I got sick and we had to cancel. So we'll we'll plan it again and then we'll go. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready for it? Yes. All right. Portland, Oregon is often called the city of roses. 
It earned that nickname in 1888 when the Portland Rose Society was formed. But the nickname didn't become official uh, until it was recognized by the city council in 2003. I don't know why it took so long, but... Decades before the nickname started, there were nefarious things happening underground. All the beauty of the roses could not cover up the horrible things that occurred in tunnels under the city. Ooh. Scary. Portland is a port city in northern Oregon. It was and still is a busy city, receiving shipments of goods from all over the world through the Columbia River and the Willamette River. This area of the state can get a lot of rain, and it has been suggested that the tunnels were originally made to avoid flooding. They would help move water from the city into the waterways and the ocean. If that was their sole purpose, we wouldn't have much of a story, though, would we? Nope. No. I mean, you know, there's tunnels moving water. Nifty. Cool. However, there's some shady shit going on. The tunnels under the downtown area of Portland connected the basements of hotels, restaurants, and taverns with the Willamette River. This made transporting goods for the downtown businesses easier so they could avoid train and streetcar traffic on the street level. If you can That's transport goods in... Yeah, I mean, super smart. And so some people took advantage of that because if you can transport goods into a business, you can also transport goods out of a business, right? True. Yeah, unfortunately... It's a real Italian job type shit. <laughs> Well, not Italians necessarily in this story, so you'll find out why. Yeah. You know those quote-unquote goods that were being uh, transported in and out? Sometimes they were not just goods. They were actually people who'd been kidnapped off the streets and from the businesses above the tunnels. Damn. Yeah. The kidnapping of these victims was known as Shanghaiing. And the tunnels now are often referred to as the Shanghai Tunnels. So basically, Shanghaiing is kidnapping someone unsuspectedly and then selling them, which we'll get into a little bit more. So that's why that movie's called Shanghai Night with Owen Wilson. <laughs> I was always confused. I, I don't know that I've seen that movie. Really? With uh, Jackie Chan yeah. and Owen Wilson? That's Maybe a, I have. I don't know. That's an interesting movie. That made me You know, I forget, a, <laughs> I forget a movie two minutes after I saw it, so it's hard for me to remember if I've seen it or not. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Same way. Unsuspecting victims were often loggers, sailors, cowboys, or other men traveling f- through the city. They would often be forcibly taken off the street or drug They would often be forcibly taken off the street or drugged in a tavern or a restaurant until they were unconscious so they could be easily moved. Easier to move somebody that's unconscious, I guess, instead of them fighting you while you're dragging them into the underground tunnels. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. But some of the establishments even had trap doors in the floor to make moving of the victims even easier. And some of those trap doors, 
yeah, they still exist in some of the currently open and functioning businesses. Wow. Right. I, I This is our second story with trapdoors. I don't think I'm a fan of trapdoors. No, I'm not. I'd like to no. stay away from them. Right. The men who had been collected were sold to ship captains as slave labor. Some of them didn't awaken from their drugging until they were on the ship and in the Pacific Ocean, making escape basically futile. You know, where are you going to go? You're going to jump overboard, yeah. you're going to drown. So you just stay on the ship and go wherever it is you're going to go in your slave labor. So, <coughs> Portland became known as the most dangerous port in the world due to the activity in these tunnels. During the busiest years of operation, at least 1,500 people were being shanghaied out of Portland. I didn't even realize there was a port in Portland. I well, it's a port city. It... It's considered a port city because of okay. the rivers that it's on. So you can you can travel from the Pacific Ocean into the Columbia River, and then that meets up with the Willamette River, I guess. And then you can make your way into the area of downtown Portland by the Willamette River. Oh, wow. guess yeah. that makes sense on why it's called Portland. Right. Yeah. It's amazing how these things work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Men were not the only ones being shanghaied, though. Women often disappeared, never to be seen again, but they typically met a different fate, being sold into sex slavery instead of being sold to a ship. Some of the tunnels have collapsed over time and some are closed by the city. Some of the tunnels operate today as a tourist attraction with guided tours occur occurring through them. Mm -hmm. These tragic... Yeah, which is what we were going to do. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Until you hear this story and realize that it was meant for kidnapping people and you're willingly going into it. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to get into why... They're, they're even creepy to this day because some of these tragic stories of men and women being shanghaied led to horrific things that happened to them. Uh, they appear to have left some residual trauma in the tunnels and the businesses above, which has manifested in ghost experiences. So this is the current creepy things. Visitors to the tunnels have reported hearing whispers, crying and loud screams as well as feeling tugging on their clothing or hair i don't like that i don't like that but i've never had that happen to me before so i think it would make me really nervous and probably freak me out pretty good if it did happen but i am curious about like when we do go there is there something that's going to happen to one of us in our group or are we all going to walk out and be like ah oh, it was a cool tunnel feel like getting tugged on would be the fun of it that'd be the cool part <laughs> exactly exactly the ghost tried to shanghai me in the shanghai tunnels <laughs> shit one well-known story is of a woman named nina who is said to haunt the old town pizza restaurant which is located in what used to be the merchant hotel lobby so back in the day there was the merchant hotel and now it's it's currently a pizza restaurant Legend says that 
that she was a sex worker in the hotel and she was raped and killed with her body being disposed of in an abandoned elevator shaft. Her presence has been noted for over 100 years in this area, in both the hotel and in the tunnels below the hotel. She's described as a woman wearing white or black dresses, and people report smelling her perfume around the time she is seen. She is often seen in the morning hours or late at night. And like the clothing description, I don't know why, but that's a pretty common, like the woman in white or the woman in black. Why are they always wearing white and black dresses? I don't get that. It's easier to see when you're a ghost, I guess. Whenever you see ghosts depicted in like movies or TV shows, they're always white. Or black. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Another commonly seen ghost is known as Sam, who is described as an Asian-looking man. People believe he is responsible for turning off lights in the basements of the bars. He is also said to enjoy moving items around in the tunnels. Creepy fucker. Pretty creepy, yep. Recently, Portland government officials have tried to discourage talks about the history of the tunnels. They claim there is no specific evidence that the tunnels were used for the atrocities mentioned before. And some historians of the area also believe that the stories have been blown out of proportion, stating that there is no archaeological proof that the tunnels were ever used for such terrible purposes. You but if can they tour got the a tunnels. Nickname, if they yeah, got a nickname I don't... for the tunnels, then there's probably a reason for the nickname. Right. And... I don't know when that nickname came up. Like, I don't know how long ago that nickname came about or, you know, if that's just like the legend over the last 50 years and somebody made it all up. But they're saying that, you know, the historians and and the city officials are saying, well, the tunnels are collapsed. And from what we can see of the open tunnels, you can't see any evidence the bad things and the Shanghaiing happened, but I don't know what you would necessarily find down there. Yeah. If, especially if they're unconscious, not like they're going to be bleeding and like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know either, but you can tour the tunnels today and decide for yourself if they have secrets deeper than what appears on the surface. And that is my story about the Portland Shanghai tunnels. Nice. That's super strange. I believe that there are other cities on the West Coast that also have Shanghai tunnels. I think I heard that Seattle might have them, but I'm not entirely sure. I didn't. I really wanted to focus on Portland because we were going to go there and I wanted to look up some information for when we do eventually go there. Seattle's a little bit farther away. Not that we couldn't make it to Seattle, but. Portland is definitely closer. Yeah. So, Mom, what do you have as a chaser for us today? Well, I kind of have a two-part. Part of it's not the chaser, but is a lightening of our 
palette from our brutal stories and bizarre stories. And that is a podcast recommendation. I have recently started binging and finding a lot of really cool stories. And that is the Haunted Happy Hour podcast. It's hosted by two friends, Lily and Vanessa. And they take turns telling their story and then they do commentary on it. Um, but they've got some really cool stories and they do series. They did like over the summer, they did um, like road trips and they did different haunted places in the different cities around the U.S. And they went to some of the haunted, most haunted like buildings in different cities. And it was really cool to listen to just, you know, because we like to take road trips every once in a while. And we've always talked about we should take a road trip here and go visit this haunted place. So it was kind of like that. And then uh, for the month of October, they're doing spooky stories like a lot of podcasts are, but their spooky stories tie into, you know, they've got like a theme where one is like a poltergeist and other things. It's it's a really cool podcast. I highly recommend it. And the other part is that they have cocktails too. So they're a podcast after our own heart and they do like one themed drink for the theme of their show that that episode. So it's really cool and I highly recommend them. Nice. Yeah. My chaser that is a, the actual chaser. My chaser today is uh, an article that I found, and it's about a family in Texas that a couple of years ago, at, when everyone was on lockdown and COVID and everything in 2020, they decided that they were going to do Halloween decorations. And they went to their Halloween store and they bought a bunch of skeletons. And they do a new theme where they decorate their yard with the skeletons and they change it every day. So I found pictures of it and it was pretty cool. They had like the skeletons were playing Twister one day. They had a twister mat out there and they had the, the the little twister board and all the skeletons were posed weird with their hands on this red dot, et cetera. They had, um, they had one scene where they were playing golf, mini golf uh, and putting and they had a little skeleton dog. It was hilarious. It was super cute and super funny. funny and they, yeah, like each one of the family members, even the kids take part and they do like there's a camping one and it's it's super cute. It's super funny. You should go check it out. What is your chaser today, Declan? So my chaser is it's not as happy as yours, I'd say, but if you've been keeping up with the news, then you might have seen that there has been they're considering a serial killer in uh, Stockton, California. And uh, let's see. He. Right. Oh, wait, hang on. So a man was uh, just recently arrested in the connection of the killing. So hopefully they've, they've caught him and they, they're able to lock him away for a while. But yeah, I saw the article on this. Uh, earlier in the week, I think you sent it to me, 
that they suspected there was a serial killer. And at that time of the first article, they didn't have a suspect. And then a couple of days later, there was an article and they had arrested somebody. So I thought that was fantastic that they caught somebody already. Yeah, super quick with it, especially like the way he was killing them. It it was very hard to find him, but he was just walking up to random people that were either like homeless or just uh, out late at night and he'd shoot them. But they, yeah, That's- they arrested Wesley Brownlee, and uh, he had a gun on him matching the same rounds used to kill people. Oh my so, gosh! Well, I guess, I guess time will tell if if he's really the guy. But uh, it's great that they think they found him. Yeah. yeah That's not was- really a palate cleanser, but it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a little, I mean, it's not good that six people died in Stockton, but it's good that they found the person who potentially did it. For sure. All right. Yeah, that was a weak ass chaser. (laughs) That's okay. I've been having to go look up chasers and and then put them in my script because I always forget what I want to say or I just keep looking and I'm like, oh, that story's dumb. I don't want to do that story. Well, Declan, thank you so much for hanging out with me and telling me a really brutal story and bringing that drink that I knew I would hate. But, you know, we got to try new things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what this podcast is about, trying new things, talking about them. Right. It was was nice hanging out with you. And I love you. I love you too, Mom. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.